Look at this deep, dark valley. How will I ever scale this or walk through this? But then something rises up inside of us and we say to ourselves, though it looks impossible, my shepherd Jesus can do anything he wants. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Not only is the Bible a book of prophecy, revelation, instruction, correction, and good news, it's also a book of incredible poetry. Hi everybody, welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thank you for joining us this time. We're starting a brand new series today that I'm calling The One That Got Away based on the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is a beautiful picture of Christ and His Bride and of the deadly allure of a seductive world that is always seeking to draw Jesus' bride, the church, away from him. As we launch into our exciting new journey through this beautiful extended poem written by King Solomon, I'm asking the Lord to open our eyes to the incredible truths found within. I believe the Lord is going to use it to help us in our walk with him and to enrich our love relationship with our heavenly bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. So let's go right to the first message called, An Hour of Trouble. Now, the Song of Solomon is an incredible book. It's called the Song of Songs. In the temple was the Holy of Holies. Jesus is the King of Kings. And this book is Solomon's Song of All Songs. Now, it's probably the most difficult and controversial book of the whole Old Testament, no doubt about it. God is not mentioned, get this, anywhere in this song. God's not mentioned once. It's never quoted in the rest of the Old Testament, and nor is the Song of Songs ever quoted in the New Testament. So where do you find it? You find it in one place, in the Song of Songs. And that's it. Now, aside from the book of Revelation, no other book in Scripture has so many divergent interpretations. We will get the right one tonight. That's my humble opinion. Yet for us, one of them is the simplest and the clearest, and I'm going to explain the way we're going to interpret this book in just a minute, a little background. The story is chiefly concerned with a Shulamite shepherdess who has given her heart to a shepherd. They remain true to each other despite the initial opposition of the Shulamite's brothers. Their love story is complicated by the combined efforts of Solomon and his court women, the women of his court, to overawe and win over the Shulamite and bring her heart from the shepherd to Solomon. And in this book, she is kind of kidnapped and becomes a virtual prisoner in Solomon's pavilion. Now, the shepherd in the story, here's the illustration, the metaphor. Here's where I really believe this book is meant to go. The shepherd in the story pictures Christ Jesus. The one the Shulamite's in love with pictures Jesus Christ the great shepherd of the sheep. The Shulamite is you and me. She mirrors the church. 
or the individual believer who's devoted to him. So you've got the shepherd, Jesus Christ. You've got the Shulamite, who is a picture of the church. And then Solomon, believe it or not, represents the prince of this world. And he employs worldly pomp, worldly power, and glittery magnificence to advance his cause. Okay? Now, the court women, the women that we're going to run into over and over again in this book, represent those who admire this worldly prince, Solomon. They look askance at those who turn their backs upon the world and all that it has to offer in favor of an absent and to them unknown beloved. They do not understand the Shulamites' love for this shepherd. When Solomon grabs this girl and takes her into the pavilion and tries to make her his own, these court women do not understand why she won't jump at the opportunity. Now, let's begin with part one, an hour of trouble by setting the scene. The Shulamite was tending her flock when she was suddenly seized and abducted to Solomon's pavilion. He saw her and he said, whoa, who is that? And he ordered his guys and they grabbed her and took her off to the castle. She was naturally very much alarmed. Now soon, some of the sophisticated women of Solomon's court enter the pavilion. These are the women that are part of Solomon's famous harem. Remember he had, I think, 700 concubines. He had a thousand wives. No wonder he cracked up at the end. How many of you guys can say, one's all I can handle? And now to get, make it fair, how many of you women can say, one husband's all I can take? All right. We're fair around here. Now, the court women have heard the Shulamite talking to herself about her beloved shepherd, and they find it amusing what she's saying. So let's just jump in, starting at Song of Songs, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and here's how it starts out, and it's the Shulamite talking to herself. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Now remember, he's not there. She's talking to herself about him. Now, this verse has been rendered, oh, for a kiss. Now, if we're talking to Jesus, can we all say that together in the sense of, oh, for the touch of his spirit on my life. That's the idea. She says, oh, for a kiss. Now, she's not talking about Solomon, even though she's in his pavilion. She's not interested in Solomon. At this point, she hadn't even met him. She'd just been kidnapped and taken into his pavilion. All she knew was that she was in this stupendous, magnificent pavilion of Solomon's and that she was in love with not him, but with the shepherd. It didn't matter to her one whit that the women of the court despised her love for the shepherd. His love to her was better than wine for her. As is wine, the shepherd's love was fulfilling, intoxicating, exciting, and so forth. Though I don't counsel anybody to drink wine. Just had to throw that in. Here we have a clear picture of Christ and his bride, the church. As the Shulamite found herself in prison in the pavilion of the prince of that world, so we ourselves are in the pavilion of the prince of this world the devil. The Bible says that the prince of this world is the devil. Are we not right now in his pavilion? 
Yeah, we're in this pavilion. We're living it every day. And I don't know about you, but every single day, what's going on in the devil's pavilion we call the world vexes my soul. I can't wait to hear the shout from heaven, come up hither and go up and meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Because though the world is getting darker and darker, I believe the church, the real church is going to get brighter and brighter and more and more in love with him. Amen. So this book is just a constant metaphor or illustration or picture of our relationship with our shepherd as the bride of Christ. Now, as the court women mock the Shulamite for loving the shepherd, the children of this world mock us for loving our shepherd, the Lord Jesus. You know why? Because they don't understand it. They don't understand it. Why don't you want to do what we do? Why don't you want to go where we go? Why don't you want to live the way that we live? What is your problem? We say, well, you know, it's not really a problem. It's a blessing. I love the shepherd. I love the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ, and and I can't help it. I'm in love with someone else. So Solomon, the prince of this world, and his pavilion, the world over which he rules, uh, guess what? It doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't, I don't care about it. I want the shepherd. Our attitude every single day should be what hers was. I don't care what you say. His love is better to me than wine. Amen? Now, it's worth noting here that the word love in that verse, in the original, it's plural. It reads, his loves, plural, are better than wine. One experience with him is not enough. I want to know his loves multiplied. I want a blessing and an experience with his love every day. What about you? I don't want to go out the front door till I've had a touch of his love on my heart. Now, two things stand out to the Shulamite about her beloved. First, she is going to brag about the magnificence of his presence. Look what she says in verse three. Let's read it together. Because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is ointment poured forth. Wow. You think this was a mistake? The Holy Ghost wrote this. Because isn't his name sweeter than perfume? Now, we could render this, sweet is the odor of your ointments, or rare is the scent of your perfume. The sound of your name is wafted like a fragrance. Praise God. Here's what she's saying. The very name of the beloved conjures for the Shulamite a sense of his presence. Now, we don't know what his name was. He just called the shepherd, but he had a name. And she's saying, when I hear his name, something just comes all over me. I feel a presence. He didn't need to be physically present. His very name caused her heart to skip a beat. In the same way, the name Jesus. Can we just say that name together? Jesus. It brings to the believer the very sense of his presence. You know, people are known by their cologne or perfume or lack thereof. Right? There is a perfume Kathy wears. And I can tell when she's been in the room when she's not there because I walk in there and I can smell the perfume and I love it. And I immediately think of Kathy when I smell the perfume. It's great stuff. I can't wear it, but if I could, I would because it's really good stuff. But it's Kathy's fragrance. So she'll go by me 
And sometimes I don't really even notice they're going by, but when I catch the scent of that perfume, that really gets my attention. And here's what the Shulamite is saying. She's saying, when his name is mentioned, it's like perfume. It's like cologne. It brings his presence. And isn't it true that when we sing the name of Jesus, when we speak the name of Jesus, when we pray the name of Jesus, isn't that the key that unlocks the door to the presence of God? If ever there was a name that is as ointment poured forth, shed a fragrance over all of human life, it is the name of Jesus. You know, you can go into a room of people and you can say Muhammad, you can say Buddha, you can say Confucius, you can say the name of any person, any religious leader, any name you want to pick. But when you go in there and you say affectionately as one who knows him, Jesus, it immediately releases the fragrance of his presence into that room. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. And this Shulamite is so completely in love with the shepherd that if she just hears his name, her knees go weak. It is the saving name, the name of Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It is the sanctifying name. We're to do all things in word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's the sovereign name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there is no name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. What a precious name, beautiful name. And it brings the presence of God. His name, the name of Jesus, is the name that charms our fears and bids our sorrows cease. As W.C. Martin wrote in a song, I like this. He said, Jesus, oh, how sweet the name. Jesus, every day the same. Jesus, let all saints proclaim thy worthy praise forever. Isn't it interesting when the world wants to cuss? They never say, Buddha. No, something instinctively wants to take that precious name and abuse it because that name is precious to heaven. It's precious to God. It's precious to the redeemed. So she's just, she's just, all it takes is the mention of the shepherd's name and she's gone. So the Shulamite talks about the magnificence of his presence. And then she talks about the magnetism of his personality. She knew him well enough to know that he could do three things. First, he could draw others. Look what she says. Your name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Translated, all the girls are in love with you. He was popular, but guess what? He loved her. The shepherd's personality was irresistible. Let me tell you something. To know Jesus was to want to be around him. Do you know that Isaiah tells us he wasn't good looking? He was not a looker. He was not like the Hollywood Jesus where they find some blue-eyed blonde with a perfect square jaw and walking around looking like a glorified hippie. That wasn't Jesus. Isaiah said, there is no beauty that we would desire him. There is no beauty about his personal appearance that makes us want to be around him. It's not that that draws. Not that he was ugly. He's not saying he was homely. He's just saying 
He did not have a particularly striking looks. He's saying that what it was about Jesus was who he was, the way he was, his purity, his love, the power and magnificence of his personality. It was magnetic. As the shepherd's personality was magnetic, so is our shepherd's personality, the Lord Jesus. To know him is to want to be with him. One of my favorite verses is when the disciples came to Jesus early on in his ministry, and they said, Lord, everybody is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Mark 1, verse 37. Why would that be? Because as soon as he began his ministry, you couldn't get enough of Jesus. Can I just brag on Jesus a little bit tonight? Let me tell you, you get one taste of his love and nothing else will ever do. He eclipses immediately any drug, any alcohol, any illicit relationship. Listen, the love of Jesus is what compels us. The love of Jesus is what constrains us. The love of Jesus is what upholds us. The love of Jesus is what motivates us. It was the love of the shepherd that motivated the Shulamite, and it's the love of our shepherd that motivates us. The second thing the Shulamite knew was that the shepherd could deliver her. She cries out, draw me, draw me. We will run after thee. Now remember, she's in captivity in Solomon's pavilion. Another rendering is, draw me to you, let us make haste. That's the Hebrew there. The Hebrew sense is, draw me, let's get out of here. Draw me, let's make haste. Then she adds the reason for the urgency in her voice. She says, "Uh uh-oh, the king has brought me into his chambers, and I know what he's got on his mind. So she feels herself in peril. She does not want to be with the prince of the world. She wants to be with the shepherd. And do we not have the same conflict all? How many of you can feel in your heart sometimes saying to the Lord, Lord, draw me. Lord, the world is calling to me. I'm being tempted. There's this and that coming against my soul. Lord, draw me. Let us make haste. The king has abducted her and brought her into his inner chambers, but the shepherd can save her, and she believes that. And how a simple shepherd could scale those high walls and enter the king's palace and rescue her from all this is not told. That is not the language of logic, and it is not the language, or it is the language of love. She's not using logic. She's not saying, now I know you're strong enough and big enough to scale these walls and come get me. It's not logical, but she's not dealing with logic. She's dealing with love and faith. And so she believes anything is possible to him. And it's the same with us. Logic says, wow, look at these prison walls that I face. Look at this addiction. Look at this problem. Look at this vexation I've got. Look at this insurmountable mountain. Look at this deep, dark valley. How will I ever scale this or walk through this or get on the other side of this? It seems impossible. But then something rises up inside of us, and it's love and it's faith. And we say to ourselves, and I've said this a million times, though it looks impossible, my shepherd Jesus can do anything he wants. And I want you to know, folks, that tonight, whatever you're facing, Jesus can deliver you. I want you to have the faith the Shulamite had for the shepherd she could not see, the shepherd she could not talk to in person, and yet she believed, he's going to get me out of here, draw me, let us make haste, come and deliver me, my shepherd, my love. Every outward circumstance said it was not possible 
for the shepherd to rescue the Shulamite. But guess what? At the end of the book, we're going to see he did just that. He rescued her. Love found a way. Now her shepherd could draw others and he could deliver her. She knew that. He's magnetic. He can deliver. And a third thing he can do is delight all. He can delight everyone. She strikes a threefold chord when she's talking about the way that he can delight all. And I want you to notice what she did when she's trapped. She's in a terrible circumstance. She doesn't know when her deliverance is going to come. She is in danger. She's waiting for the shepherd to show up. I want you to notice how she handled her problem as she sat in this circumstance. Because some of you right now, you're trapped. You're in a situation and you don't see any way out. You don't know when the shepherd's going to show up to deliver you. You don't know how it's all going to work out in the end. But what we can do is we can learn from this Shulamite. Look at what she did. The first chord that she struck is one of rejoicing. Look what she said in verse 4. Read this with me, everybody. We will be glad and rejoice in you. Now, notice she's not overwhelmed with an emotion. She said, I will. I will rejoice in you. So rather than slip into despondency over her circumstances, the Shulamite chooses to rejoice in the shepherd. I can't tell you how powerful praise is when you're in a situation that you can't get out of. Praise is so powerful. She said, well, I can't do anything about my circumstances right now, but here's what I can do. I can rejoice in the shepherd. I can lift my hands and I can rejoice in him. I can rejoice in the shepherd. Now, the second chord she strikes is one of remembrance. She said, we will remember your love more than wine. This is so powerful, and I hope you catch this, because this Shulamite is showing us how to maintain our spiritual equilibrium in a tough spot. She said, first, I'm going to rejoice in him. I'm just going to praise God. I'm going to praise him. If for nothing else, I'm going to praise him because I'm saved. What a beautiful picture the Shulamite presents of fidelity and loyalty to the love of her heart, the shepherd. Though in a foreign environment, she chooses to remain true to him, though he seems far away. And what an example for us as we too are in a world that is not our ultimate home. We're just passing through. I have such high anticipation that this series is going to have a transforming effect on us as we follow the steps of the Shulamite and how she handles the various attacks and temptations that come her way. Now, don't go anywhere. Our announcer has an exciting offer for you, our Life Talk listeners. And be sure to tune in next time for our next message out of the beautiful Song of Songs. Until next time, I pray God's richest blessings be yours. Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. 
These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111, or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again, or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now, or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. An Hour of Trouble is the first message of Pastor Jeff's new series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping. By logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.